Greetings, welcome to my podcast. I'm Eric Backer, the naturopath from New Zealand and formulator of the Kanzita range of supplements. In each of my bite-sized episodes, you'll be getting practical tips that you can follow right away to improve your health and lifestyle. So go ahead and binge listen. Greetings, it's naturopath Eric Backer from New Zealand, from wonderful New Zealand. I really enjoy living here. Thanks for tuning into my video. I wrote a book called Candida Crusher. You can check that out at candidacrusher.com. I also design uh, some specialty products for people with yeast infection. You can check that out at canzida.com with an X, canzida. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. I've been asked by many people so many times, can you do a video on your favorite candida fighting foods? And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to talk about what I consider the top five foods or five categories of foods that help to fight candida. These foods aren't just good for candida yeast infections. They're good for various kinds of yeasts in general, and there are many kinds of yeasts that can affect a person. They're also good for bacterial problems, parasite problems, many types of digestive issues in general. I'd like these food categories and particular foods, spices and herbs I'm going to talk about to become part of your daily diet. So try and, like I do, and eat these foods regularly. Once they become part of your diet and you continually eat them on a regular basis, you're going to maintain quite good health. A lot of these foods go back in history thousands of years. They've been used a long time by many different cultures. A lot of these foods we're going to talk about are still consumed today. But the unfortunate thing is a lot of people don't make the time to eat good food and they overcomplicate their diet. Everything's so complicated today, you know. The body's very simple. When you put high quality natural uh, foods into the body, it's going to really maintain a high state of health, especially if you've got your lifestyle sorted. Okay, category one, what's one of the top foods? Well, of course, coconut is one of my favorite foods, really coconut oil. It's so stable. You know, you can take it up to high temperature. You don't really wreck it by heating it up. <coughs> you can get many different types of coconut products. Coconut cream, coconut milk, coconut oil. So coconut has got a very powerful antifungal uh, ability. And it's one of, one of your top foods, in my opinion, for fighting yeast infection. Coconut uh, water makes a very nice kefir. It's a mineral-rich, trace element-rich. And it's uh, an awesome food because it's got such a good prebiotic base in it. So when you inoculate it with kefir, you're going to grow lots and lots of beneficial uh, lactobacillus bacteria in this, this medium. It's got a lot of amino acids, a lot of proteins, a lot of fats. It's a complete food. It's an incredible food. It can, and, but the oil contains the highest component, uh, really, of the caprylic acid and capric acid. And particularly caprylic acid. It contains many hundreds times more concentration of these acids uh, than the milk does. So there you go. My favorite uh, coconut milk in a can is called Fia Fia, and it comes from Samoa. I think Samoa in the Pacific have some of the best coconut trees. And uh, you can get different types of coconut milks and creams, but this particular brand we get in New Zealand called Fia Fia. I just love it. I just think it's divine with chicken. Uh, you know, you can make up beautiful curry dishes with it, and it's nice just for, to put in a, in a blender and have some berries with it. It's a wonderful drink. You can make ice cream out of it. So remember, as I said before, if it tastes good and you like it, you're going to take it regularly, which means it's going to have a beneficial effect. Coconut should be right up there on your list of number five. Number two, 
Garlic. Well, I'm a garlic freak, and I have been for many years. Garlic is wonderful. When you get garlic, please make sure if you buy garlic at your local you know, store that it contains roots on it or a root mass. Make sure it hasn't been imported from China. It may have been irritated. Uh, the Chinese garlic, in my opinion, is not as good as garlic that's probably grown in your area. If you're in the States, there's some really good garlic growers there. Same in England, many countries in Europe. So I grow my own garlic. Um, I've got garlic, in fact, to put in next month on the shortest day. I'm going to put about 150, 200 cloves in. That's going to give me a, a lot of nice bunches of garlic. So when you eat garlic, there's a lot of people say you should only eat raw garlic. Okay. So garlic contains allicin and alanin, and particularly the allicin is the antifungal component. There are quite a few university studies and research papers you can find showing you how potent this product actually is, uh, the allicin, when it comes to uh, destroying yeast. I've put a standardized allicin extract in Canzita Remove for that very reason. Now many people say, but I can't tolerate garlic, it makes me sick when I eat it. I'm very sensitive to garlic. Well, many people take Canzita Remove without feeling sick at all, even people sensitive to garlic. Now, it's only got a small amount of the extract in there. And if you have a tablet with food, it shouldn't be a problem. However, eating one or two cloves of raw garlic for the uninitiated can be a real big problem. Never have garlic on an empty stomach, especially first thing in the morning. It can make you want to puke. All right? This is how I do it with raw garlic. I will have, for example, a curry made up, like a korma, vegetable curry. And as I'm about to serve it, I've got one small clove of garlic, which I cut very finely, or I've got my little chopper. I've got a tiny little chopper I use in the kitchen. I'll chop it up, <coughs> and then I'll sprinkle it on top of the food, and I'll mix it in. So I'm still getting the raw garlic. It hasn't been cooked, but it's been added to the korma curry. All right, so that's how I prefer to eat it. Another way I would eat raw garlic is to cut it, and some um, experts believe by cutting it and leaving it for a few minutes, you get a higher conversion of alanin to allicin, more of the active uh, ingredient. It becomes more pronounced. I have definitely found garlic becomes stronger when you've cut it and left it for a while, rather than just cutting it. And of course, the other way that, um, as I mentioned, how I like to have garlic is by cutting it fine and then mixing it with olive oil and lemon juice. Now, I sometimes pre-make large bottles of olive oil, lemon juice, and lime juice, and salt, and pepper, and garlic, shake it up, and I put it in the refrigerator. And that's my salad dressings. I make up many different kinds of salad dressings, which I'll have all summer long. But often, I'll make up a fresh one if I've got um, friends or visitors over to have lunch with me, make up a fresh salad, go and get a lime out the yard or a lemon. The Maya lemons are quite like. Cut them in half, juice them, small clove of garlic, mince it fine, Put it with the lemon and a bit of extra virgin olive oil. Put a little bit of Celtic salt on that and grind a little bit of pepper. Mix it up. Nice way to have garlic. Very nice way. Throw that on your salad. Also goes well on steamed broccoli or vegetables. It's very tasty on beans. Many ways you can have that little blend I was just talking to you about. So there's many ways you can have raw garlic in your diet. Garlic is excellent for candida infections. Try and also... Um, if you've got issues with blood pressure, for example, or circulatory problems, if you're worried about deep vein thrombosis, just get a small clove of garlic, very small clove, gently peel it, just squish it and peel it and put a couple of scores with your knife in it and swallow it with some food like you would a capsule. Very powerful way to uh, improve your circulation.
and uh, to stop low cholesterol buildup and to reduce your chances of stroke and heart attack. So garlic should be on your list. Coconut one, garlic two. Number three, well, garlic and ginger, I should say, add ginger with your garlic. Ginger is excellent. It belongs to the same family as turmeric. So turmeric is really a kind of a yellow ginger. Um, ginger I put in nearly all of my stir-fry or vegetable dishes. I'll chop a bit of ginger up fresh and I'll add that with a bit of garlic. I generally combine those together. A bit like you have, always have chocolate uh, ice cream with chocolate sauce on top. Okay, Not that I eat ice cream a lot, but if you're going to have something like that, you know how one goes with the other? You have chips, you put salt on it. Okay, You have a burger, you have fries with it. Okay, Sometimes things go together, combos. So, and I find ginger and garlic is a really nice combination. So ginger and garlic, number two. Number three, brassicas, would you believe it? Broccoli, cauliflower, rutabagas, all those sorts of things. Arula, Chinese vegetables, bok choy, wombok, uh, you know, all those kinds of vegetables. They're bitter, they're sour, they're very high in fiber, and they're also, and they contain a lot of prebiotic substance in them, which really help the beneficial bacteria. Now, an interesting tip I'll give you with brassicas, the longer you cook them, the stronger they smell. So with broccoli, if I cut it out of the yard, I grow a lot of broccoli in the garden. If I cut it, I never wash my vegetables because I grow most of my own. So, but if you buy store-bought stuff, you'll probably want to soak it, you know, get any potential you know, sprays or bugs or things off it. If you're going to steam it, I find broccoli best steamed, for example, or a brassica by wetting it really well, shaking as much water off it as you can, and then cutting it. I've got a huge, big stainless steel pot and the water has to be really boiling really well and I've got between my steamer and my pot I've probably got about that much space between the water you know and the base of my steamer so the steam gets in there you can also use those little Chinese bamboo baskets they work quite well get your water as, to the, as boiling as much as you can put your broccoli on there and cover it really firmly and don't open it just leave it and you let it steam for three minutes I find three minutes about, about the right time maybe four sometimes and then <coughs> take it off. And then uh, there are two trains of thought here. You can either dunk it immediately in freezing cold water with ice cubes. That will retain the green color of the broccoli. It, it maintains a sort of a nice tone. I don't. I will just steam it you know, straight on the plate and I eat it right away. And I find that a really... If you, the longer you steam it for, the more it's going to pong and smell. Brussels sprouts the same. Brussels sprouts can actually be cut real fine. You can even make sauerkraut from Brussels sprouts, beautiful sauerkraut. You can cut Brussels sprouts quite fine and stir fry them. Then you won't get that awful farty kind of smell, you know. When someone's cooked brassicas in the kitchen and then someone walks in, who farted? Did the dog fart? No, I'm cooking Brussels sprouts. Well, that's why I don't like them because they smell like farts. Brussels sprouts are phenomenal. They've got a very high content of indole-3-carbonyl or I3C. So indole-3-carbonyl is very good for estrogen metabolism and also for glucuronidation, for liver cleansing in general. Brassicas are, are implicated uh, very much so in liver detoxification. So they're fantastic. They're good for the bowel. They're good for liver detox. I recommend that you eat brassicas regularly. But brassicas are bad for the thyroid. If I eat them, my thyroid will clap out and I'll end up six foot wide and 400 pound and I'll go hyperthyroid. That's not true. It's fallacy that, that brassicas create, create thyroid problem. Raw kale creates the thyroid problem, not brassicas in general. Don't eat raw kale. Always steam kale or cook it. In Holland, when I grew up when I was young, 
Kale was never consumed raw. It was always boiled or steamed out of the food. So raw kale is a new phenomenon by a lot of these crazy foodie kind of people uh, who think that raw kale is great in smoothies. But there is certainly an indication that people who drink raw kale all the time end up with thyroid dysfunction. So don't do it. Okay, we're moving on to the herbs and spices. So there's quite a wide range of stuff here, but let's just have a look at the herbs in general. Thyme, oregano, marjoram, rosemary, all the Mediterranean herbs are wonderful as anti-fungal, antimicrobial additions to your diet, particularly oregano and thyme. So they contain different phenols, different chemicals. If we have a look at oregano, as particularly it contains thymol, okay, thymol in particular, and carbacrol. So these are very strong compounds that help to negate the yeast infection. Grow oregano yourself. I grow lots of it in the garden. Now it belongs to the mint family, so it's very invasive. So be careful where you grow it. Don't just put it amongst all your flowers and plants because it will take over like mint and then you'll end up being quite annoyed. Grow it in an old bathtub. Just get a couple of pieces of wood, you know, make a little raised garden bed and just grow them in that, for example. You'll be able to control them a lot better. Rosemary is very invasive. I planted one this summer, um, which is fantastic. It's a very hot, spicy, peppery oregano. It's beautiful on pizzas. It's beautiful in pasta dishes. It's nice in salads. It's a bit peppery in the mouth. So oregano vulgara, or the common um, oregano, is a wonderful herb to grow. My bees love it. You get all these lovely flowers all over it, and uh, the bees just go crazy on it in summertime. And it's, it's a wonderful herb. Get a piece of lamb or a piece of meat. Get a whole huge big handfuls of oregano and I just cut it off with a knife and I'll crunch it up in my hands and you can really smell that pungent oregano smell. And then I'll just jam that in a jar and fill it with olive oil and leave that with some garlic pounded in there for a couple of weeks in, in the kitchen where it's warm. And that oil I rub into meat with salt and you know, put the oil in it. It's a beautiful tasting marinade to do. Put a splash of wine or some alcohol with it. It will draw right into the meat and give the meat a very tasty Mediterranean sort of flavor. Add rosemary to it uh, even better. Um, nice in salad dressings. You can steam oregano up and actually add it to foods as well. A lot of people don't know that. But yeah, um, thyme, oregano, marjoram is a little bit more of a delicate, sensitive kind of a, um, a herb. Belongs to the same family. I use marjoram a lot along with tarragon in egg dishes, quiches and egg dishes, and spinach and egg is beautiful with marjoram, for example. Oregano, I find, marries up more with meat. Chili. Let's look at spices like chili and clove. Well, clove contains this stuff called eugenol. And, and uh, eugenol is very potent. I, I, I often meant recommend a jock itch tea you can make from, uh, from clove. Clove tea is quite nice. Just get about half a dozen little clove pods, throw them in a, in a, in a cup, boiling water, and drink the clove tea. Eugenol is very antifungal. It's also um, ranked as the, the world's highest antioxidant-containing spice. So we add a lot of cloves to our cooking. If I'm going to make up a nice Palau kind of Indian rice dish with basmati rice, I'll add about five or six cloves in there, brown cardamom pods. Uh, I'll put a few mustard seeds in there and maybe a bit of cinnamon stick in there and star anise seed. Toss it all up in the dry rice, add water, and then put some vegetables in there like diced carrots or peas or whatever you want to throw in. And then just steam that dish. Beautiful. You will really like that dish. It tastes fantastic. There's many ways you can add clove to your cooking. Stewing fruit, put clove in there. Okay, Cinnamon and clove, they go well together. 
nutmeg as well. I forgot to mention with the brassicas, I'll often get nutmeg and grate that fresh and put that on top of a brassica because it tastes very nice. So the cayenne pepper is one of the best of all spices to use for yeast infection. It contains this saponin, this chemical called K1 or C-A-Y slash 1. It's got a novel way of breaking down the fungal wall. So cayenne pepper, if you like it hot, some people like it hot, real hot. I like it medium hot, not like too hot. I'm not a really hot person. I sort of like things medium, so, but with curries, I don't mind a bit of cane pepper in there, so, you know, if you like uh, heat, by all means, put some cane in there. Just watch out, because if it's hot here, it can be hot on the other end as well, if you know what I mean. And, of course, that's four, spices and herbs. And what about number five, the cultured and fermented foods, right? And my favorite, I mentioned in a previous video, is sauerkraut. I love sauerkraut. I make my own sauerkraut up. I've got different crocs I use. I just picked up another cheap one at the second hand shop, an awesome croc. Make sure that it's lead and cadmium free if you're going to get one. <coughs> Usually you can tell by the glaze. But uh, you're better off buying a croc yourself uh, from Amazon or whatever. And a good croc, so usually German or Czechoslovakian or Polish. They've got the rim at the top where you put water in and the lid fits on there. Get a couple of weights that sit on the crowd to keep it down and keep the juices above it. Look up YouTube videos, plenty of videos on how to make sauerkraut. When my kitchen's renovated, I'm going to show you guys how I make sauerkraut up myself. So the same way my grandma used to make it up. I just love the taste of it. And as I said, if you love the taste of something, you're going to eat it regularly. All right. If YouTube or Google tells you to like it and eat it and you don't like it, it's going to sit there and you're going to dump it. It's a waste of time. Coconut kefir, fantastic. Dairy kefir, if made well, fantastic. Uh, proper homemade yogurt, very good. Now be careful with cultures and ferments that you do it properly, that you do it yourself, and make sure that you really know what you're doing. Look at a lot of YouTube videos and get some good ideas, for example, on how to do it. There's some fantastic footage um, online now to really help you and guide you or some good books. Taste other people's sauerkrauts and yogurts and, and kefirs to, to see you know what, what there is out there because you may not be doing it right. And remember, if you don't get this right with a culture of ferment, you're going to end up with gut problems and, and aggravation. So try and add some kind of cultural fermented food regularly into your diet. Coconut, garlic, brassicas, herbs and spices, fermented and cultured foods. They're my top five. Click on the link below, please, if you haven't already downloaded um, you know, your free candida report. If you want some really nice can, uh, candida uh, yeast infection supplements, check out candida.com. I've spent a lot of time with patients over the years and I've worked out Kanzita Remove, Kanzita Restore, Kanzita Rebuild. Three products instead of like 20 odd things. Excellent for Candida or you know, a multitude of different kind of problems that you might face in your gut. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to comment and also subscribe. Thank you.